This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we talk about so much security, you'll want to cry. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. We have new equipment today. We do. It's been an adventure. If if they're hearing this on the space internet, that means that all of this is working. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so our our esteemed comms ninja was so nice to allocate some budget for us, and we took advantage of that in Q1 and got some new mics. Um, we we actually ordered a new Sully, but it got rejected. Um, so it didn't work out so well. It, it's us. no, it's it's just on back order. I got him on layaway. He'll be here. You in got a him on layaway. Weeks. Yeah, <laughs> we're 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 paying down on our Sully. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, so as you hear, Glenn is in the studio with us today. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about some security. So we decided who better to talk about security than the the security guys. Um, that's kind of the kind of genius I bring to this podcast. Like, hey, let's talk about security. Who do we ask? Andre Middleton and Kevin Ryan. Hi, hi guys. Hello. So uh, let's go to Andre first. Andre, what do you do here at NetApp? I'm a security team across the portfolio, so all things security at NetApp. Uh, I, I bridge that gap. I have conversations about mitigations, vulnerabilities, challenges, what we're doing about it, how do we make our products better and make the world better, hopefully. All right. And uh, you just recently wrote a TR. What was that TR? Yeah, TR4572 was the ransomware TR, which is the NetApp solution to ransomware, kind of how we address it from our perspective. Okay. We'll, talk, mm. we'll touch on that a little later. Like, we'll go into more detail about that. Uh, do you have a social media handle that anyone can reach you at? I'm a security guy. No social media. Good answer. <laughs> Kevin Ryan, who are you and what do you do here at NetApp? Uh <clears throat> I am uh, pcert, so pcert at netapp.com, uh, actually. That is actually the email address that can be used. It's externally facing on the website, so uh, oh. we're good to go so there. that's the email I should try to spearfish. Well, yeah, go go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> uh, product security incident response team. So uh, all the, the product vulnerabilities end up being evaluated and uh, reported on under my uh, management skills. Your management skills. That's right. right. P-Cert manager. You can call me that. So do you have a social media account out there? No. (laughs) Liar. I know you do. (laughs) We're friends on Facebook. Yes. Nothing associated to P-Cert. No. A lot of of drinking and Irish stuff. Address. That's it. That's right. Lots of Irish stuff. All right. Uh, On the phone today, we have Paul Stringfellow. Hi, Paul. Hi, Justin. How are you? I'm super. Now, Paul, tell us about yourself and uh, what you do not at NetApp. Uh, well, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller, um, and I'm a technical director for a company in the UK called Garden Systems. Uh, we're a data management company, so we work with our customers around uh, all kinds of data areas. So whether that's uh, you know presenting data, protecting data, uh, and over the last five years, you know, increasingly it's been about securing data. Uh, you know, and that's everything from what, what we might see as normal kind of cybersecurity type stuff through to very much increasingly governance, uh, compliance, uh, and control of uh, control of people's data. So you're a technical director. They give you a little chair and one of those little uh, like wooden things, the little clackers. Do you get one of those? That's exactly right. It's got my name on the back, um, and yeah. I, I've got a, a megaphone so I can shout instructions at people. Yeah, you don't. You don't like do, when people start talking about things that are insecure. You just yell, "Cut!" That's exactly right. How many of my meetings have you been in? I, I spy on you because you're terrible at security. I don't. I don't. I'm not <laughs> sure you understand the difference between a technical director and an actual like movie director. But it's okay. Let's keep going. You sure? Yeah. I brought the security driving. guys in. That's fine. Drive on. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> I have the best words. So, Stringy, I understand you were also a member of the NetApp A-Team. Could you tell us a little bit about the A-Team and your uh, role in the A-Team, and then also give us your social media handle? Uh, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm very proud to be a part of the A-Team. So, um, so for those on the show who, who don't know, uh, the NetApp A-Team's a global group of uh, advocates who... Uh, you know, go out and, and say, uh, you know, talk very positively about NetApp. I've worked with NetApp for a long time, um, you know, and, and, and happily to 
articulate the, the value that NetApp brings into into our customers. Um, and we work together with a group is about 25 of us, um, you know, managed by the uh, the fantastic Samantha Moulton, um, who looks after us very well. Uh, and as I heard her describe the uh, the other day, chief cat herder. Um, so, uh, you know, we, we get to work closer with you guys to understand uh, future direction, the way NetApp are looking at things like data security and, and governance and control. Uh, and we get to give our feedback as well. So the feedback that we hear from both our customers, uh, what we hear from other partners uh, and get to bring that directly to the uh, to the NetApp leadership to help kind of shape what NetApp are going to do in the future. You mentioned social media. I am on social media. Um, and you can find me at TechStringy on the Twitters uh, and TechStringy.com for my website. And uh, I'm sure I'll get a chance to pimp my own podcast a little later as well. <laughs> oh, I was going to I was gonna pimp it for you. So, I mean, why wait, man? Yeah, why wait? Yeah, pimp away, guys. You go for it, Justin. So I hear you have a podcast, Stringy. That is true. Yeah, nicely done. Uh, yeah, so you can find that on uh, podcast.techstringy.com. Um, it's a... Uh, it's kind of a look at the business side of technology. So I, I talk with people in the IT community uh, about a whole range of subjects. Obviously, data security has been a big part of that. But um, we're also looking at cloud. We're looking at uh, cloud migrations, uh, look at things like containers. Um, so kind of a whole range of, of technology trends and, and what that means to um, our business customers. It's like it's a tech- great show. It's you like, should give it a listen. It's like the Tech on Tap podcast, EMEA. It's like our EMEA branch. Uh, it, it's like the Tech on Tap podcast, but not like the Tech on Tap podcast. It's in English. <laughs> this is in gibberish. Um, so it, it lacks the professionalism and quality that you guys bring to the podcasting world. A- absolutely, um, I would like to to tout our professionalism at every chance I get. Um, so we actually have done a security podcast before here at the Tech on Tap podcast, but because security is ever changing and threats are always rising and, and falling, uh, we like to do a more regular cadence for security. We're going to start doing this more uh, often, probably once a quarter at least. Start bringing in the security guys and you know have them give us the latest updates of what's out there, what sort of things people are running into, and what NetApp is doing to try to alleviate that. So. Uh, to kick things off, let's touch on that ransomware thing that you talked about, Andre. So you wrote a TR on ransomware. Let's talk about what ransomware is and how we are addressing that at NetApp. Sweet. Uh, the biggest thing, you know, for those of us who know ransomware, it's the reality is it's a malicious payload that we see cascade through email and different branches, but um, nonetheless, it cascades itself and you know runs amok in a lot of customers' environments. Um, normally, they ask for a ransom at some point, hence the, the name ransomware, right? So you get this malicious payload, it infects a bunch of stuff, and if you want, and it starts to encrypt files. That's really the key, right? Once we encrypt files and all that good stuff, it's like, hey, we'll give you the keys to the castle for a nice fee. Uh, you pay up, Maybe you get it back, maybe you don't, right? That's always the catch-22. Uh, there are some cases where people are like, okay, cool, we'll pay you, we'll pay the ransom, and the keys never come. Yeah, that was uh, th- that was the big <laughs> unfortunate uh, bottom line at, at, at the end of the recent WannaCry uh, outbreak. Like, was- th- there wasn't a way to actually get that... Th- Homie did a bad job in writing an exploit and didn't have a way to actually get the keys out. Well, the way might have existed. There was just (laughs) no way to tie that you paid to anyone who could get you keys. Honor amongst these, right? Yeah, sure. (laughs) It's it's the honor system. You put your money in the bowl and then you just pick up your stuff. It's like Halloween. Just take one piece. Well, that's that's the super scary part about this, at least from my perspective, you know, as... The move into ransomware is is this in in a lot of ways is this escalation in in the stakes of the game, mm-hmm. and and it's it's a really scary escalation because now we're at a point where they found the crown jewels, they found the pain point, right? You take away the actual data underneath anything, Absolutely. and whatever that thing is, yep. it's worthless. Absolutely, and we we you know we tout here all the time that we're in charge of the most precious resource we have out there other than time, and that's data, information. Um, and what you start to see, which really brings it to bear, is look at the targets. Look at the people, and when I say targets, I don't mean the store. I mean, look who's being targeted with ransomware these days. You, most of, you know, when I work with the field, the average customer, that's the one that sees it the most, the one that sees it five, six, seven, ten times a year, Yeah, healthcare. You think about it. You walk in an ER, hey, Andre, you got this issue. I see your legs hanging off. You know, that's not might, might make it a, a good thing. 
okay, great, but what happens if all of a sudden you lock my medical record and all of a sudden it's like, all right, Andre's back for a checkup tomorrow, and it's like, what happened yesterday? What medicine was he given? What's all this? Andre may not be in the state to even tell you what's going on. He's laid up in the room. What do you do? And so hospitals are normally the first ones to say, you know what, we're paying. We we don't have time for all this. we got to save lives. Yeah. So actually, that's a good uh, segue into talking to uh, Stringy a little bit because – uh, England had that same problem with the National Health Services. That's so, right. uh, Paul, tell us all about how that changed the conversation with your customers. Yeah, and I think it's something we're seeing. It's interesting listening to what, what Andre is talking about there because I think that's one of the, the, the areas that we're seeing hugely over the last kind of three or four years has been a real shift in the way our customers are looking at data. And I think you, know, you mentioned kind of the idea of we're, we're kind of sitting on these crown jewels. Uh, you know, we, we've seen that this this move towards organizations uh, kind of uh, their maturity changing so that they're looking at how data is now this kind of key asset to their business. You know, and I think in lots of cases, they're seeing it as maybe the key asset that they've got. And these these kind of attacks. And, and I think ransomware is a really interesting example of how you've got to look at these things in depth as well. You know, there isn't a magic button that fixes ransomware. You know, ransomware is it is a great example of how a proper security in depth strategy can work. So, you know, it's the idea of being able to spot ransomware and then being able to recover quickly from it by knowing kind of what's been attacked and, and having a good, robust data protection strategy that, that allows you to recover from it. And that's the thing we're seeing. We're seeing our customers now are really starting to realize that and are starting to take seriously the idea that they've got to properly manage their data, properly secure their data and, and properly understand what's going on with it. And these kind of high profile attacks, you know, are, are just a, another example. You know, there's there's nothing that drives a security project more than, a, you know, a, a, either a, a, well, a well-known outbreak or your own data breach. Oh, that that that's true for anything, though, man. You find you find the guy in the business that's screaming up and down that there must be backups. You just found someone who's lost data at some point in their career, yeah, right. right? The same the same I tend to find is true in the security realm. You find someone who takes this stuff very seriously. They have some personal skin, and they can they can tell you a story about that time they got burned. Oh yeah, and that could that could be personal or in in uh, business. You you don't you don't know the value of those backups until that. First right. time you need it. That's right. Yeah. It also drives our TR authoring. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, do we have a ransomware TR? No, we don't. Andre, right? right. It's a ransomware TR. So in this ransomware TR, let's talk about that. Yes, sir. Um, how are we addressing stuff like ransomware at NetApp with our, all of our portfolio services? Sweet. So one of the first things that we do is we look to we look at where we're where we have expertise, right? And so one of the biggest things that people tend to overlook or overshadow is how do we leverage some of the things that are really, really good already um, in these scenarios? And snapshots is one of them. But let's take a step back real quick because the other part is, well, NetApp's not a security company. Well, how do they address this challenge? Well, we partner, right? We look at some of the key players in the field. Like you hear Veronis, Cleondris, right? I call Cleondris the, the Veronis of, of, the, of the East, so to speak, or across the pond. And then here we have Veronis. But the reality is, you have these these companies that can actually extrapolate the power of things like F policy and yeah. those activity feeds and those streams and take that data and make sense of it. And what I always say is it provides context. Now you can see the who, the what, the when, the where, and, and the how, right? In other words, who has access to this file? Uh, when's the last time they accessed it? Why did they access, access it all, the, all of a sudden 50,000 times yesterday when they've never accessed that file before, right? And you start looking for those anomalies and leveraging additional capabilities of things like Veronis's, you know, intelligence and their UBAs, right? Those um, behavioral analytics, right? And when you look at all of those things to start pinpointing all these, you know, the, de- the details of ransomware and the, the markings of what ransomware looks like, right? These files that have been untouched, but now they are touched, you know, how often, how long, how big is the file, has it moved, all this other good stuff. Has it been encrypted all of a sudden arbitrarily and, and why? And when you start looking at all that, we can kind of target which files have been touched or infected. And then we take that to another level. It's like, okay, well, great. It's always great to have identification and detection. The worst part is if you can see it, but then you can't mitigate it, right? Mm. It's like having a security camera at your house, and you can see them taking your TV and everything, but you can't do anything about it. It's kind of painful. Yeah. Income NetApp, right? That's really the true power is the fact that we have snapshots. We can sit there and we can take all these snapshots, right, and we can restore those. And that's really the crux no matter who you are and what you do and no matter what solution you you leverage. The remediation is key, and that's where NetApp really has the power. Yeah, and, and the reason why remediation is key is because there's absolutely zero you can do about Gladys and HR clicking on that link. That promises <laughs> that the little dancing hamsters are going to show yep. up. That's right. Yep. Right? 
My dancing hamsters, where are they? Oh, let me put my information in here because I want the dancing hamsters. And guess what? We're we're all yeah. You definitely can't protect against the human uh, error element. Right. But what you can do is remediate. You have to have the ability to remediate. You have to. Yeah, it's not even human error anymore. I mean, like just just not an accident. Yeah, just being (laughs) tricked right into it. Yeah. The the level of and and a lot of fish. Email spear phishing in yeah. particular, like the 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 quality of yeah. what's coming in, yeah. is it's almost indiscernible. You have yep. to d- go that extra tenth mile of well, what's the actual link behind this URL? That's right. No, that's not the right domain. This is garbage. Let me delete this. Well, yeah, they're 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 hiding it behind Bitly's. It's they, really hard. They stopped misspelling words because yeah. that used to be the big key, right? I still get this. They still they still you know <laughs> they do grammatical errors, yeah, you know, spelling errors, they, you know, pr- those improper are the easy giveaways. Yeah. Those are the yeah. you know that's the the low hanging fruit. Yeah. But they designed the emails to look exactly like the web pages and everything. Yeah. It's, that's right. It's well, really interesting. And like you said, they're spear phishing. So what they do is they target it to what you like. So nine times out of ten, you're like, well, this this can't be malicious. I mean, this is yeah. I was just on that site yesterday. Yeah. I was looking at t-shirts yesterday. This is awesome. Yeah. Sometimes it is. <laughs> it's just timing too. You're expecting a package yeah and what comes right. in right that's but right. uh that that link that tells you here your package has been delayed well, yeah click but this trust link me to fedex isn't at. gonna find your 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 business account and say hey by the way i know you're in cube 4206 we got a package at your house like no <laughs> they're not gonna reach out to your business account to let you know you have a package at home right so, yeah, I got a fax. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Someone better. sent me a fax. <laughs> Even better. Well, I, I it it just speaks to that core construct, right? Of yeah. there was a time where security and IT was all about taking it seriously and being yeah. prepared. You know, it, and it was perimeter security. Yeah. You know, let's get up the firewalls. We'll, yeah. we'll control access. We'll authenticate. We'll audit. We'll red blue a whole nine. Mm-hmm. That war was lost. <laughs> yeah, big time. <laughs> right, big time. And, and it's Absolutely. it's all about mitigation and identifying like what is actually important, and then developing as we've been talking about those those defense and death strategies to yeah. to be able to protect and control that. Just to add to that, Glenn, I think it leads to um, kind of one of the things that we always talk to our customers about, and that is to the is your starting position has got to be assume breach. You know, assume yeah. that you've already got somebody in. You know, assume Absolutely. that there's already somebody who's looking to steal data, let data out of the organisation, and and once you once you start at that position, then you move into kind of what you've just been talking about that idea of, of mitigating that risk. You know, you've got to look at if we assume somebody's already through the perimeter, and like you said, Glenn, you know, we've we can already assume we've lost that battle you know that the people are already on the inside so once we know that you know it's it's about mitigating that risk you know how do we then protect those crown jewels from everything from that malicious insider to you know gladys accidentally emailing stuff out because she wants to see dancing hamsters on the internet you know it's it's that it it, it but but if you make that start and start at that kind of position of we yeah, we've been breached. Assume there's already somebody on the inside. Then we can start looking at how we secure down our, our key data assets from there. Yeah, sometimes it's not even people being tricked into it, but, uh, you know, you've got malicious actors, malicious insiders. So uh, sometimes they're looking for that data, too. You can't depend on the firewall as your only hope. Yeah. It is uh, really just uh, a hurdle for yeah. the current crowd of folks looking for your data. Yes, yeah, so I mean, you're talking about people on the inside. So things that we can mitigate that with, and on in you know NetApp is auditing, right? File auditing and access auditing and that sort of thing. Absolutely, we just saw the the latest Verizon data breach report come out, and guess what? Ding, ding, ding! Top of the list once again is insider threat, right? And yeah. the the part that people don't realize is ransomware is a type of insider threat. What happens? They start manifesting, they start spreading. Where is it at? Inside. It's in the domain. It's, yeah. It becomes an insider threat, right? So, Stringer, do you have any uh, customers that you've had to bail out of a situation where they got ransomware? You know, is, is there any success stories you have from that? Yeah, I mean, we, we've had a handful of incidents where uh, exactly what you've been describing, where they've seen ransomware and, and what they've been, what they were fortunate and, and had done was already kind of taken that approach that we've got to mitigate against that internal risk. So in a couple of instances where they were ransomware affected, um, you know, and Andre mentioned before uh, Veronis as a, as a NetApp partner, actually both of these customers were both used Veronis and had NetApp as a as their primary storage solution. And what it allowed them to do was to, once a ransomware attack had happened, they were able to spot that unusual behavior. We talked about uh, kind of behavioral analytics before, you know, and the idea that, 
you, we can't today rely on this idea of looking for known threats. You know, you can't work on block lists. You can't work on signature-based security. You've got to be understanding what's the normal behavior across my network and then be able to spot when unusual behavior is happening and do something about it. So the, the example that, you know, Freddie in accounts has now accessed a thousand files in the last two minutes when normally he'd access five files in a day. So they, they in both those instances, that's the kind of behavior they will spot. They will then be able to apply policy to say, stop that account identify the files that have been affected by ransomware and then go back actually and say in both cases we're fortunate they were then NetApp customers of ours they could go back to a snapshot quickly identify the files they needed to recover and instead of it becoming a huge business in uh, a huge business incident it just became a bit of an inconvenience and actually the use of a technology that allowed them to spot ransomware as it was in action alongside a good robust data protection strategy you know using NetApp snapshots in, in both of these cases they were able to recover really really quickly so within an hour the incident had kind of been cleared had very little impact on the business they were able to recover everything they needed to recover and carry on you know as opposed to some of these big breach incidents we've seen recently where you know in the uk with the uh, the, the the nhs incident with with WannaCry, you know what we saw with that was three four five days of unable to access critical systems and that was down in part to not being able to identify the ransomware as it took hold and then not having a data protection strategy in place that allowed them to mitigate that risk and quickly recover. Yeah, when, when Microsoft starts patching a 10-year out-of-support operating system, we're in a bad place. That's right. Yeah, well, we've well got let, a, let's but, not get started on patching. Let's not <laughs> even go there. Right. Those were out for a while, right? And then right. that issue existed for who knows how long. NSA sitting on it, you know, that gets out and people turn it into... I don't want to say big money because it wasn't big money, but, you know, had they done it correctly, it could have been big money. Well, so. the NSA piece, again, inside actor, right? Yeah. Somebody, yeah. Letting, somebody letting out the information right. and just saying, hell, I, I don't like what you're doing. Here's all the information. And then right. everybody uses right. it for malicious intent. And either you got your goal and your wish or you didn't. I, I don't know. Well, there's so many <laughs> angles there, you know. Who knows how long they were sitting on that. I, I don't think I saw any hard numbers on how long that, that might have been discovered. But had they... Had they worked with, you know, vendors at some point in time, a lot of this could have been lessened. I bet you they are now. <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about don't yet. Know. They, they will eventually. How they many will... times will it take yeah. for them to learn? That's right. eh, that's a pretty. I don't know. That's a pretty high-profile incident. And when that happens, pretty big. Yeah, sure. when that happens, you're going to have to start looking at it seriously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, I don't know what's coming next out of the, the potpourri of their exploits that have been released. But, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll see a few more. You know, I don't want to I don't want to play predictor here, you know, telling the future. But <laughs> I imagine we'll see if, at least a few more. Of these. At least. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess that for me, at least, this is probably a good opportunity for us to stop and just spell it out although it it's it seems like a very simple thing for everyone on in, in this this call today you know why is it that we're able to just sidestep all these issues when we're on netup and we've got snapshots underneath us i think it goes back to what string you mentioned right and it's the efficiency of the process i think a lot of people we do ebcs all the time and yeah. one of the thing that all they, they it always comes up data protection What's your strategy, business continuity planning, and all that? And most people just take it for granted, right? They put it on paper and they throw it somewhere, and <laughs> you don't know who to call, and that position doesn't even exist anymore, and all that other stuff. Like, you can have the, the worst situation is to have all the ammo in the world and don't know how to use it, right? There's no soldiers, there's no, the soldier doesn't know how to load this, you can't do this. Like, it's a disaster waiting to happen. And so it continues to happen because the process continues to be broken, even when the right technologies are in place. But when you have the right solutions and the right process, and you actually test it, right? Th those companies that actually do testing on a quarterly basis and they walk through, what's our DR plan, right? I, I lived in Hurricane Alley for a while in, in Daytona Beach, Florida. And there was a year where I went to Kansas, which was another disaster because it's like, okay, your remote site is in Kansas. Like, I don't understand which one's <laughs> worse. But nonetheless, I went seven times in one year because of hurricanes. Oh, we tested the hell out of our, our data protection strategy. But I can tell you one thing, we were stout when it came to doing it. And that's why, to Stringy's point, you have customers who can recover in a matter of hours and not days and then come back and realize, well, we think it was days, but we don't know how long this has happened. And then they're lost, right? Yeah. Yeah. And more specifically, to touch on why snapshots can help you, it's, it's read-only, right? So Absolutely. If I'm trying to apply ransomware to a read-only file system, I can't do it. 
Uh, so that's where your protection comes in. And then the, the speed of recovery comes in from the, the fact that the snapshots are basically pointers to data. Yep. And when I restore that data, I just throw the pointers back at it. And within seconds, the snapshot is restored. Right. Now, isolating the files, isolating the false, making sure you're, you're clean mm-hmm. takes a little longer. But getting the actual right. data back is going to be the fastest thing there. Right, right. So you got to trap everything, right? you got to make sure everything's clean, that, that uh, whatever the ransomware, malware... Mm-hmm. Virus, whatever the case may be, you you right. got to make sure you've uh, isolated those systems, shut them off. There's going to be uh, some impact there somewhere as you clean up everything else. But you can make that data available to the clean systems then and, very rapidly. And, and we it, help you with that in the ransomware TR, right? We even tell you how to do it, right? Look at things like A time and M time and some of these values. If you look at the paper, it tells you like this will tell you when that file was last accessed, how often by who, etc. To kind of give you an indication whether it's you know pre-infection or post-infection, so you know which ones to kind of target and whatnot. And then Veronis takes that to another step and basically takes it in a, a quick viewpoint and just says, hey, these are the files that look suspect. All right, go ahead and restore those. I can't just take it to the Geek Squad. <laughs> Good luck. You can. Burning up time. They'll take your money. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I've, I've made your computer faster. I've right. written this registry cleanup utility. By deleting everything. <laughs> uh, so let's talk a little bit about testing and how we can do that. So, um, you know, I've, it's pretty obvious to me, but maybe not to everybody, but if you're testing an exploit, you don't want to install it on a system that has access to the network because you, you get it. Generally speaking, don't test exploits. Well, this no. is your job if that's something that you do. No, well, right. no, but I'm saying if you want to test it, you can set up an isolated VM sure. network that's that you can't get out. And then you Absolutely. can just play in your sandbox and make right. sure that you're testing everything. And you got like a, you can set up a vSIM NetApp. Well, as and a matter of fact, that's how the, uh, the WannaCry uh, <laughs> mute button was discovered, yes. right? Yeah, the guy who discovered it discovered it by accident. That's yeah. right. Right. That's right. And, but so you know, know they, the, the thought there was that the the authors had set that up so that if it saw that it wouldn't spread, they could test it, and the minute it was out there, it was good to go. Um, that it was in the wild, not able to access that particular domain. That's so right. yeah, yeah. If you if you throw these things in an isolated environment, you still need to know what you're doing. You don't want you don't want to be testing these things. Anywhere where they could cause real damage. Yeah, th- th- these ever. are resume generating events. Hundred percent. That is correct. <laughs> yeah, that right. is correct. I'll, I'll tell a little anecdote from my support days. So support guys are pretty generally pretty smart. They know what they're doing for the most part. And one guy thought he was going to be clever and set up a DHCP server in his uh, domain test. Nice. And uh, somehow he managed to set it up so that all the client <laughs> machines in the building were at trying to get DHCP from his server. Nice. And. Uh, yeah. It worked really well. It worked really well until the, you know, everybody broke. Yep. But, yeah, so, I mean, you may think you know what you're doing, <laughs> right. and you actually don't. So you really want to be sure that it's not on a network. Like, Don't even plug it into the network that you have on your, right. in your office. That's like, right. Buy a Netgear router or something, man. I, I, e, 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 while we're talking about testing, <laughs> yeah, as I have an aneurysm over here. <laughs> it's coming. Everybody's it's coming. coming. It's coming. It's coming it. out. I'm going to get it out. <laughs> the thing... I think it's worth actually like underlying and, and, and calling out a couple of times because you know it, it's a very simple thing. It's a read-only file system. You can't yes. actually modify it. Yeah. You, can, you, you can run all the software you want. You can write as much data as you want. Yeah. We still know what it was before. That's right. We have a permanent rollback button that nobody right. can remove. So yeah. none of this damage is permanent. It's all just yeah. an oops. It's, right. it's, it's, it's spilling water on the, on, on the ground. And and to me that that is really impactful because you know that that saying that is old as time itself you know yeah security through obscurity that's right it's how most organizations still function oh absolutely they just they just operate by well it'd be so hard <laughs> who would do this that's someone right. who really is motivated to hurt you that's, that's who, right that's and we still right. see those kind of attitudes uh, yeah. today uh, uh, through organizations and and various places that well you know. A, there's a firewall, or B, yeah. why would anybody want to do that? Or yeah. C, it's too difficult, nobody's going to take the time. All those things, you you can't gauge somebody's level of interest in right. what they want to do with your software and or your data. So, so Naive Me thinks that with the recent uptick in events and issues that customers are becoming more and more aware of these situations, and they're getting more interested in securing their environments. Stringy, uh, do you see that in the field? Yeah, we do. You know, we we see that 
customers are taking their data far more seriously and, and there's a there's an increased maturity to the way that they are they see their data you know they, they absolutely see it as a data asset and are starting in lots of cases now to treat it like they treat any other asset in the business and certainly one of the things that we talk to our customers about um, quite a lot now is the idea that a lot of this will come down to culture. You know, security culture is is an important part of uh, you kind of the, the way you're going to drive security in your business. I think it's very easy for us all to look at. You know, we've we've made a couple of lines about you know Doris in accounts today. That the idea that we always look to our users and blame our users for being stupid. You know, the user who clicks on a link that they shouldn't do, went to a website that they shouldn't do, opened a phishing email that they they really shouldn't have done. But as, as you guys have talked about, you know, these things are getting increasingly complex and increasingly difficult to spot. Even for IT professionals, are difficult to spot. So why we expect our our users just to be able to spot those things when they've had maybe you know one one security training video, maybe they watch once a year or they watch when they you know they first join their company so we, we start to look at that now and talk to our, our customers about how you start to build this security culture you know and i'm sure you guys see it in the us in the same way we do here in the uk that you know you'll go into a, a company site and you'll walk into the reception and in reception will be a big mirror on the wall you'll go and stand on it and above the mirror it will say who's responsible for health and safety and you look in the mirror and there's your own smiling face going oh it's me i'm the person responsible for health and safety but how many times have you been into a company and they say, who's responsible for data security? You know, you don't see that above those uh, those kind of little mirrors. I mean, maybe that's just a UK thing. Maybe you crazy Americans don't do that kind of stuff. <laughs> no, we have, we um, have X number of days and since last security incident signs. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, uh, you know, and, uh, and we're, we're seeing that, 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 that people aren't necessarily seeing that kind of uh, that, that whole kind of cultural kind of cultural thing about security's got to be embedded from the very you know from the very entry level of the business you know the 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 college graduate who's just kind of moved into the company has just started they've got to see and understand the importance of your data and its security as much as the guys on the board do you know it's the uh, and that's one of the very early questions that we'll we'll try and um, uh, ascertain from companies to realize what their uh, what their risk mitigation uh, kind of view is you know how do their board members how do their directors see risk inside their organization because unless you see that it's going to be you know if if there isn't at the highest levels in the company a view that risk of to their data is something that's important and should be taken seriously everything else you try and do as an IT professional trying to trying to work in that organization is going to be really really difficult um so you know that that kind of cultural shift i think is hugely important and that idea that we start to look at the people we have in an organization as being absolutely critical to delivering security in our business i think when we start to do those things you know, we, we may start to bring some of these kind of risks a little under control. Let's talk about the inside actor again, because there was a Reddit thread recently where a guy was employed as a SQL administrator. And sometimes it's the policies, the company policies that are in place that are not good enough. And he was new employees following this policy, and he ended up wiping out his entire yeah. database. Work, worked for the company for two whole hours. Yeah. <laughs> yep. and, and the blame game fell on him because yep. he was the one who wrote the routine. But in reality, he was just following the procedure. And, and, and you have to isolate if your procedures are, are good or if it's the, the user you know, entity that's good. What it's about is not the blame game, but about fixing the problem. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and, te and, and technology is only part of the uh, part of the fix. You know, the idea of data security, data privacy, you know, the technology part is only a small part of that. It's culture, it's policies and procedures. It's, you know, it, yeah. it's all of those things are, that are part of the much bigger uh, data security piece. You know, you can have the greatest technology in the world, but if you don't have the resources who yeah. can take a look at the information that's been fed to them, then you can never deal with it. You know, we see that actually is a big problem here as well, that the idea that, you know, we're talking to companies about ways of spotting this kind of, uh, you know, these kind of unusual behaviours. But some of the feedback that we'll often get is, well, that's great, but I've already got a real stretched IT team. Who's going to look at this? Who's going to take that information and turn it into something useful and worthwhile? So, you know, the challenge is big, no doubt. Um, but, you know, we've got some great technologies. NetApp have got some great technologies to, to assist in that. But organisations have got to understand as well that technology is only part of an enablement to that. You know, technology is not the answer to all of your data security data security risk you know technology is only a, a small part and will certainly assist you in being more secure but it's not the answer in itself it's a tool 
That's right. There's no magic involved here either. Uh, as Andre mentioned before, you got your processes, your testing. You need to wrap all that together and make sure you understand what you're doing. Snapshots can only save you if you have them on and yeah. you haven't uh, overwritten them. Or you haven't run out of space and then yeah. had them fail. And you didn't actually delete and, them. And ignored all the messages you were getting about them right. failing exactly. repeatedly. Exactly. So there are smarts that are involved there in terms of a human perspective. It's not, you know... Uh, NetApp, uh, ONTAP, Snapshot technology is a tool in in your toolbox. That's right. Uh, and it's a good one, and uh, it, it can be very useful if you use it correctly, much like uh, any other tool. We talked about WannaCry a little bit, and Kevin Ryan is the master of the P-Cert. So what did P-Cert have to say about WannaCry and as, well as, as, you know, as far as NetApp is concerned? Well, WannaCry uh, primarily attacked Windows operating systems spread through that. So there wasn't much direct impact to NetApp products. Where NetApp came in was, uh, well, we'll take a step back. PCERT first had to let customers know we didn't have an impact to our NetApp products. But then more importantly, uh, needed to convey that, hey, you know, there's this useful technology that's covered in this wonderful TR. Go, go read about snapshots. You know, we can assist you in recovering data if your data has been locked up. But, uh, you know, there's not much we can do to stop your, your, the spread of this in your environment. Yeah. That's really falls down to your, your, your tools, uh, intrusion detection systems, whatever it is you might be using. But, Kevin, we use SMB1. Why doesn't it impact us? <laughs> <laughs> well, it turns out that Data ONTAP has a proprietary implementation of SMB, and it's not based on Microsoft's or Samba uh, implementation of SMB. So every vulnerability that takes advantage of uh, a Microsoft operating system won't necessarily apply to ONTAP. There could be similarities. Absolutely. could There could absolutely be similarities where we're impacted by that same functionality, especially, especially if it's in the uh, protocol itself and not necessarily the implementation. Um, so we always will look at those things and evaluate them uh, and, and produce that answer. But in this case, it was nothing to do with anything in a NetApp product. And, but, uh, but, but Kevin, I have SMB1 disabled <laughs> in my environment. How will that impact ONTAP? Justin, how many of these emails did you get? <laughs> <laughs> I, wrote, I got enough emails to write a blog on it, but I'm going to let Kevin okay. address the SMB1 uh, issue with ONTAP. <laughs> well, as it turns out, <clears throat> there's not really a way to disable SMB1 in ONTAP. Not true. Yeah, yeah. Um, you can do it. Nine two. Well, all right, fine. So it's coming. It's, it's already there. It, We're in it, RC. Yeah. All right. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Where got, have you been? I've got. I don't think of RCs. PCERT doesn't look at RCs. <laughs> okay. We look at GA. That's right. So let's talk. Let's talk about the implications here. So there's two things to worry about with SMB one. First is the connection. Wait, I thought you were going to let Kevin answer. Kevin's, I'm not answering that. Kevin's failing me. That okay. Kevin's failing me. <laughs> I, I, I'm not writing. I didn't write that blog. That's Allow Justin's, me to, to yeah. uh, one-up the security guy here. Um, <laughs> With an on-tap feature. Yes. <laughs> so, SMB1. We can do SMB1 connectivity to our domain controllers for authentication. We were able to disable that as of 832p5. Um, seven mode, I have no idea. So yeah, I knew it had been that. around for a while in in, uh, in cluster data on tap, but in seven mode. But anyway, so connections to data protocol, like your, we were talking about, is 82, or 92RC1. So you can disable it as of that release. That's right. It's enabled by default because you don't want to shut it off all of a sudden, right? Because everybody freaks Right, out. right, right. We don't want to change things as in an upgrade. Also, I do want to point out that... There will be that that particular feature will be applied to some of our uh, newly christened LTS releases. So, or is that the right acronym? Yeah, yeah LTS support? long-term support. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. the uh, the odd releases. Yes, so the yes. So, the so there will be an ability to do that in, in nine one of some version. It won't be as easy or pretty as it is in nine two potentially, but it will be there. Just. Primarily because LTS is, uh, yeah. you know, we want people on those releases. Customers should eventually, you know, they can sit on those and expect fixes, et cetera, and support for a while. So Yeah. So if you are not familiar, long-term support, you get three years of full support versus short-term releases, which are one year of full support. And then you get limited support for two additional years, I think it is, or three additional years. 
So we recognize that's a pretty important feature. It's it's getting there. It's yeah, get, it's getting a nine one at some point. So, um, yeah, and then seven mode will pick up that same ability at some point, and then one cry will be solved across the planet. <laughs> And right. then on to the, on to the right. next vulnerability. <laughs> well, except for like the half a billion PCs that have never been patched. Exactly. But, except yeah. for all the Windows operating systems that spread it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so true confessions. Who here still has a Windows XP laptop? So I was back too. No. So uh, back oh, too. you know I, what? My karaoke laptop is XP. See, that's right. Seven will lie. Sorry, Glenn. Heck no. Heck no. <laughs> it might be. It might be seven. I'd have to go back and check. I haven't turned it on in a while. So I know it's XP because it's a Dell XPS and it's like an old like laptop I've had for six years. It never powers. I never turn it on. It never comes unless I need to like pull some music off that's stored on it. It's yeah. just basically like a, a, a NAS plan. device. It's like a NAS device that's powered. I, I wouldn't off. even connect it to a network. I would only just use you know, thumb drives. <laughs> That's not even secure. No. It's it, better than connecting it to the network. Hey, I found this thumb drive on the ground. Let me it, plug it in. It, hey, man, it's the only secure way to fly. I, I only use these sketchy thumb drives I find in the parking lot. That's, That's right. right. And only on XP. <laughs> it says, it says read me. Guy. It's very important. I'm very, my curiosity is peaked. It, it says plug me in, not read me. That's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't need your help. <laughs> that's good because I spent a long time reading it. It just kept saying SanDisk. Oh, Lord. Never got to the end. Never got to the end. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, yeah. So if we, uh, I don't know, if we, uh, it, it, once we have SMB, one circle back to that turned off on on tap it's not going to be the the end solution for everyone yes it does get rid of a what is now really not a in it's i don't want to call it insecure protocol by any means uh even microsoft is is i think they their status on it is deprecated potentially i, I don't i don't know what they call it ned's uh, a little more forceful but yeah, yeah. ned <laughs> ned pile is the uh smv product manager and he just like kill it kill it dead sure do we want it? You know, some customers still may require it. Some customers some, use things yes. forever. Some customers still have printers that require yep. it, unfortunately. And, yep. Right. So we can't yeah. kill it. I mean, he actually has know. he actually has a list out there of devices that still require SMB one. Yeah. But we, should, we are on that disabled? list for older on tap versions. <laughs> yeah. I had to t- I had to, to negotiate with him. Hey, make sure we're on there to tell him that we're turning it off because we don't want to be those guys. Yeah. The <laughs> best the best practice is to dictate any older protocol. Uh, is disabled by default on yeah. at least on a fresh install. Again, yeah. we don't want to twiddle with the, the the settings in a customer's environment as they upgrade. They need to control that in a, in a, you know fashion, however they do it, whether it's change control or whatever the case may be. You know, willy nilly, each customer is going to have their own process. But ultimately, we want insecure protocols to be disabled by default. We've That's been right. working on it. SMB one will will be there uh, soon, and. Uh, it's just not not yet, except in nine two RC one. Thank you. <laughs> I, I just, I'm just to throw in before uh, before all the uh, users who were sat there happily saying, "Well, I run Linux, so I'm fine." Um, there, there was a there's been an incident in the last week of a Korean web hosting firm um, run hundreds of Linux servers and got hit by a ransomware attack, and it's uh, almost taken them out of business because they were running really old versions of Linux. It was all unpatched. Um, they got attacked by a, via a Linux vulnerability, uh, encrypted all their, their drives. I think it started out at $4 million of in Bitcoin, um, uh, and I think they, they managed to negotiate their way down to a million. So, um, you know, so yeah, it's, uh, it, it's, uh, hopefully nobody's listening uh, on the show and saying, well, it's okay, I don't run Windows, so... Uh, I'll be fine. That's okay. I have a Mac. I don't care if you run. <laughs> I don't care if you run your business on your Windows phone. Like there is no such thing as a secure computer. You need to correct. protect yourself. That is correct. You got that right. <clears throat> is that patch, why patch, I have, patch. Is that why I have to update my Apple iOS so often? Yes. <laughs> it's not just new features. Yeah, yeah. If you read the the notes they release with that, you will see it's a slew of security fixes each time. They don't always go into detail. They're like. Security fixes uh, uh, added. That's for your benefit. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, for me, I don't that's need right. to know these things. Well, it's the same stance that we take. You communicate so much. Uh, you you communicate the minimum, and you know we get that feedback a lot. There's not much information in the security advisory, but that's to protect the folks who can't upgrade. Yeah. We, if yeah. we if we communicate all the details about a particular vulnerability uh, that would be specific to our product, not necessarily a, a third party vulnerability but something particular to one of our products we're not going to set up the runway with the blinky lights and big arrows that say right here for everybody 
who wants to take advantage of this uh, vulnerability while many of our customers are in some sort of environment, as I mentioned, that might be change controlled. They can't just upgrade at the drop of a hat. They need to plan it, maybe test it a little bit, maybe. Counterpoint, it's an incentive. That's a, <laughs> it is in, it's incentive. It's a little bit of, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. The more information, the more you know. That's right. <laughs> it, it, well, it's it's kind of like a computer version of of herd immunity. I can't say that word all of a sudden. Herd mentality. No. What's it? What's it called when everyone's vaccinated? Mad so cow disease. Safe? No. It's just, never mind. <laughs> you you feel free to cut this. Do you mean herd immunity? There you go. That's someone who I've helps. I've never heard of herd immunity. That's How have you not I... heard of herd? Of, okay. I've never it's, heard of it. Have you heard of thing. this? It's a thing. It's a thing. Why it's, a, right. it's how vaccines work, right. man. Absolutely. Not everybody can get vaccines. I don't it's okay, though, because everyone does. I don't believe so in vaccines. So the people who don't have them are fine. That's, That's right. right. Vaccines are a lie. That's right. <laughs> no, oh that's God. not right. <laughs> Cut that. <laughs> it's the same thing with patching. Not everybody can patch right. everything because they might have some weird esoteric versions of software. So by being obscure... You're being as protectful as you can, although it's not really safe. It's just right. making it a exactly. little harder. Exactly. Exactly. I guess you, they're, it's already they're already aware something's out there, right? right? We've stated something exists, and here's yeah. the fix. Yeah. So anyone who wants to could go start digging around, see if they could glean enough clues from what's available. You know, and, and it really again, again, your iOS updates. Everybody's following many of the the same tactics there are some companies who are wide open with it and typically their customers can upgrade much more uh agilely if that's a word than uh, we'll allow it okay and, and some people good. don't even some people don't even know you know some people have the, we're still right. in a day and age where people exactly is not we're bliss. still in a day and age where people go out and they get a security assessment done and they're and you ask them, hey, how many boxes do you have that are windows and oh we don't have windows boxes Yep. And then you scan, and there's like two thousand of them, and they're like, what "The hell! Like, where they come? How'd from? that happen?" And it's like every Honeywell system that they had, or every uh, random oh, that's device right. that's in yeah. a data center yeah. that's doing some kind of sensory or something. They have no idea what OS it runs, and some of these devices aren't good enough or equipped enough to run the patch, but they can run the exploit. It's the craziest. Yeah, just thing because in the world. it's a black box that you have no insight into doesn't right. mean it's not vulnerable. It's still to a threat. All it takes is one. And it's a really important point as well, that because I think one of the very first things that, that, that you need to do as you're trying to build these kind of data security policies mm-hmm. is that you've got to start know you've got to understand what you've got to start yeah, with absolutely. because if you don't if you don't know it's there you yeah. can't secure it you know and, and we see you know we see examples all the time of we will do a, a kind of run a, a data a, a data security kind of assessment. And you'll ask a company how many files you have on your infrastructure they've got credit card details in or personal identifiable information they'll turn around and say nothing and you'll go to them and say here's these five thousand files and why have they got credit card details in you know we've we've had real examples where we've done that and companies have sworn that they have no personal identifiable information in their file storage and you come back and say there's five thousand files with credit card details in so why are they there and they have absolutely no idea yet they're trying to build a date security policy don't even know that they've got sensitive data that actually if they had a data breach could get them in an awful lot of trouble you know particularly in the uh, with the eu general data protection regulation That's where it, yeah. that could be a 20 million euro fine for a company for you know a kind of a flagrant uh, flagrant data breach like that yeah. So let's all run out and buy Wi-Fi connected refrigerators that are never going to get patched. <laughs> yeah, we're already we're already seeing exploits yeah. like light bulbs that are getting turned yeah. off remotely and that sort of thing. So IoT has opened up the world, and that's yeah. the thing. People don't. Yeah. People are like, oh, IoT, IoT, and it's like, yeah, it's a great thing, but so is every technology that so supposedly came along. It came there for a great purpose. Yeah. But it inherently opens up our landscape as well to the threats that are that are out there. And to Stringy's point, GDPR is another one that's huge because so many people have no idea what they have. And GDPR is well on its way, right? This data protection uh, act, this regulation. And the key clause in the whole thing that we continue to I continue to see and I'm like, I have no idea how in the world we're gonna regulate this, is it says, and I quote, if you process any EU citizens data, you're held accountable to this. Well, I talked to a customer last week. It's an airline. They're like, oh, we don't have any EU citizen data. I'm sorry, you don't sell tickets to an 
any yeah. citizens. The problem is they don't even know who they're selling tickets to other than, you know, I put my information in. It doesn't ask me what citizenship I am, right? I go, I put an ID, I put a debit card or whatever. It doesn't say, are you U.S., are you Turkish, are you this? It doesn't ask me any of that. How do you know whose data you're processing? Well, the, the regulators are just going the same route that the security systems themselves have gone, and they're, and they're just saying, look, we can't protect against this. All we can do is have measurements to be able to detect it and to, to be able to do a counter incentive after the fact. Okay. And then by putting that negative bias into the market, the market will hopefully take this more seriously and eventually right. fix the problem. Well, and the regulation's steep, right? I'm sorry, Stringy can talk more to it than I can. But the one thing that I noticed with GDPR, other than that one statement I just made, is the sanctions are deep. They're yeah. not like you're, you know, we've heard for years PCI and all this other stuff, and people take it for granted. Why? Because it doesn't cost them that much. Ransomware events cost them more than PCI breaches, which is sad, right? Because at the end of the day, what are we trying to do? Protect citizens. Well, right? I think I think that's only though because PCI has been baked into the industry at this point. It's just something that's handled by the vendor ecosystem. Most businesses don't put any thought into it. It's Absolutely. just it's just provided. So sure. if that same level of ecosystem could be brought for things like GDPR, then I could I could see how this could take us down a very painful road <laughs> that solves the problem. Absolutely, absolutely. And so just, uh, go ahead, just to know how steep those uh, steep <laughs> those fines are, it's it's twenty million euros, so which is roughly twenty million dollars, yeah. uh, or four percent of your annual global turnover. Uh, and it's whichever's the biggest, not whichever's the smallest. Oh, right? even worse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah they're not playing around. They're not. Yeah. They're basically applying it, it like all checks are made into my name and sent to my bank account. So <laughs> the data breach away, guys. Hey, so stringing to help you out, if you could put your bank account number out here for us and your credit card information, we'll be sure to get it out to everybody on the podcast. That's right. I will. Uh, I'll put it on the Twitters, uh, Justin, if that helps. <laughs> there you go. That'll, that'll, that'll help everyone involved. <laughs> Which is funny. Twi- now, Twitter's a good thing too, because social media is. You know, Andre doesn't have a social media account for That's good right. reason. People put things on social media like pictures of their credit cards, you know, like their passwords. <laughs> I no, I don't, I don't. You know, maybe a government official has done that before. I don't know. It may have happened. <laughs> so, but yes, yeah, so, I mean, you know, people put that stuff out there. They don't think about it. They're, you know, they think they're just talking to their buddies, and you know, they're not. They're talking to everybody on the podcast. We talk to everybody, which is why we don't say things like, "This is coming out next week," because we can't. Legally, not well, it, it goes back to what I was saying before, Justin. You know, it's got to be this kind of security culture. That's right. Um, you know, we, we, we I saw uh, this week here in the UK that the uh, government's National Cyber Security Center are running summer camps for kids who are 13 and 14 years of age yeah. to teach them about data security. You know, because they start, you know, the, the, the UK government see. Uh, the risk of cyber attack, data security threat, as big as um, a, a kind of a, an armed threat, you know. So they, they see data security that importantly here, as I'm sure they do in the U.S. Um, and they're starting to understand the importance of teaching this kind of generation who are going to grow up with technology and are growing up with the idea that we just share everything online about how important it is to realize where the risks are, to realize where the risk is if you lose data. Um, you know, I think it's great. I think it's great to see that done at such an early age. And it's something that we need to be embracing into our companies. You know, it's not something that we should be at board level. You know, an organization shouldn't be sat there saying, well, there's Bob. Bob works in IT. Bob, just go and sort out data security, will you? Because that's an IT thing, isn't it? You know, and, and we're, we're briefing boards all the time around GDPR. And one of the things that we, very first things that we point out to them is, this is not your IT's guy's problem. This is your problem as a board, as the... As, a, as the guys who are in charge of looking after this organization, it's a legal and compliance issue. It is not an IT problem. IT might help you out, but guys, you know, this is a this is a proper business problem. And as we once we start to see that, then hopefully, you know, we can some of these kind of cultural things where we might be happy to, uh, you know, if, if you're going to tweet your credit card information out, I think you are going to get what you deserve. Um, <laughs> but, you know, let, let, let's educate people not to do that kind of thing as opposed to punish them for when they do. But I get so many likes when I do that. No, you know, <laughs> yeah. Paul, Paul just... Um... Yes, yes. Andre just just held up a a, a story uh, here inside the studio about oh, how the Girl awesome. Scouts are starting to get into cybersecurity as as badges, and yeah. they're they're leaning into it. Yeah. Uh, about six months ago, I remember uh, also on Twitter, I saw a uh, test in a 
um, I want to say it was like a third or fourth grade. It, it was it was a, a, a extra activity. It, it was it was aimed after the old like don't get in the van with the stranger That's with right. the candy. There you go. But it was about online access. Don't there ever you. tell someone your address. They yep. don't need to know where you live. They don't need to know your sex. It's not important. No. Yep. Talk about your interests. Absolutely. Like just just teaching people how to be safe yep. in in this connected digital world. They don't need to know your pet's name. <laughs> All this kind of stuff, right? But but that same kind of that same process of yes, look, you are a you are a business that has been on this planet for two hundred and fifty years. You are established. You have a lot of pride, and and you are great. <laughs> a whole bunch of stuff has changed in the past thirty years, right. and if you don't change with it, yeah. it can wipe you out. Yeah, quickly. Yeah, yeah, and and to really just drive home what Yolma's talking about, what he was describing was. Social engineering, right? Another yeah, way, totally. yeah, another way to spearfish, right? Another Absolutely. way to get information from people because often our passwords or our security information for our passwords is in the form of your pet's name yeah. or your mother's maiden name. Or you the know, first car you drove one of, or yeah. who knows what. Right. And one of, one of the best practices people questions. give you for those sorts of things is give wrong answers to this, right? Yep. But you got to remember your wrong answers. That's true. <laughs> Yeah, it, and hey, uh, hey, Andre, I just need to know, is that Girl Scout story, does that mean they're going to stop using cookies? <laughs> no, no, they still sell cookies. No, they've turned off cookies. Oh. The, the cookies, yeah. the cookies, selling the information in the cookies. The cookies are awesome. funding the cybersecurity training. Yeah, Let's right. be clear. You got to afford the pat somehow. <laughs> but I disabled anyway. Um, so, and it was, it's actually good because the Girl Scouts touched on what we kind of talked about in episode ninety three, which is the women in technology. So that's another yeah. good driving uh, factor in the industry is getting not, not just you know the men of the industry involved, but the women of the industry involved in at a young age is especially important because you know when you're young you do stupid things i mean yeah. <laughs> well, it's just ignorance they have no idea right yeah ignorance is bliss and they have no they, they don't have the wherewithal and they, they, the reality is we're humans and and all of humanity yeah. security plays off of a lot of to your point social engineering yeah. we teach our kids to be nice and to share and all this other stuff now we're saying don't share shut your mouth don't do this <laughs> don't, don't dare do. talk and, to that stranger that's right and it's like it, it's a different way and it's not so much to tell them well what you don't want is your kid like, well, I'm not sharing anything because I'm not supposed to share. Anything. It's like is a balance, right? Yeah. And that's the education is different now, and it's more. I, I explain to my parents all the time. It's different raising the kid now than it was then. You could before you could just open the back door, they can run out, they can play yeah. with axes and everything else, and it kind of just took care of itself. Nowadays, it's a big, it's a big difference. You know what I mean? It does. No, it, it isn't that different. It still takes care of itself. Yeah, it does take care I, of itself. Right. Warning labels yes. and yes. everything else. I, it, <laughs> but, but it's very true. It's very true andre saying there as well it's, it's the idea that um like any criminal activity the whole point a criminal is trying to do when it's malicious is they're right. trying to maneuver you out of these kind of comfort zones so yep. that you make mistakes Absolutely. and you know and, and data security and cyber security is no different so speaking of an ever-changing security landscape uh we actually were, were recording a few days ago and that's where most of this podcast was recorded and in the time we took to re- record and for me to start editing we had another vulnerability hit us um, additionally, Andre lost a finger, um, so <laughs> no, a lot no. can happen. It was reattached. It was, re- it, it was reattached. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Successfully. So let, let's start with the the finger. Um, that's that's more interesting. <laughs> so what happened? Racing dirt bikes, you know, hair scramble style, racing through the woods and all that good stuff, and uh, got caught up with a tree. They don't move. No, no, no. They, had, they never have. No, they have. Finger haven't. versus tree. Yeah. Tree wins every time. Every time, man. Every time. And not a lot like, you can do to stop that other than not race dirt bikes. Yeah, you but, know. But or if just you want to do that, tree, steel well, mesh sure. gloves. Yeah, find an open field. Chain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the answer. <laughs> yeah, but in an open field, you're bound to like hit a pothole somewhere where there's like. <laughs> this is true. Yeah. So but, uh, there's some collarbone breakage that's come from other things too. Yeah, not trees. <laughs> All right. Well, that happened. Um, what else happened was uh, we had another vulnerability. <laughs> that hit SMB1. Uh, they, at first, they thought it was called Petya, and they started looking at it closer, and they decided it was called not Petya. Right, right. <laughs> so, or Petna, right. or, or, you know, a yeah. number of different names. Just yeah. Like, just like WannaCry, they gave it a whole bunch of different names. That's right. Whoever wants to give it a name can name so, it. So Kaspersky actually called it not Petya because they looked at it closer. They found that it was very similar to Petya, but That's it right. wasn't Petya. Yeah. So do you, right. do you guys have the details about why they went into that? I mean, I, I think I read about it, but I just kind of glossed over it. Well, there's it. a lot of scrutiny on this. Um, yeah. Yeah. They're trying to figure out where it came from. And uh, latest up-to-date information we have just this morning, uh, it it looks like it's not even really ransomware. It's ransomware in disguise. It's really just a disk wiper put out there to cause havoc and uh 
it takes advantage of the same vulnerabilities that WannaCry did to infect systems, although it's there's reports that it came through infected email files. Mm-hmm. And the possibly there are various sources that claim this. The uh, initial transmission came through an updater yep. for a Ukrainian accounting firm. Accounting firm. Yep. That Oops. also spread <laughs> X data just back in May via the same mechanism. That's right. Another ransomware. Yeah. It's like catching the, <laughs> it's like catching a virus by shaking someone's hand. There you go. Essentially. Absolutely. I think that's how they spread. And that's it why is. the hot spot is actually the Ukraine. <laughs> they had, you know, more vulnerable, you know, customers and businesses than anybody because it became, you know, area zero, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this doesn't even really look like ransomware. It's yeah. taken again, it takes advantage of the the SMB1 yep. vulnerabilities that have already been fixed in Microsoft uh, patches back in March. Yep. And uh, wait, 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 system wait. though. <laughs> back up. Here we go. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's go over that again. Okay. Oh boy. You said it, it was spread through vulnerabilities that were fixed back in March, right? Correct. So what does this teach us, everyone? <laughs> that apparently I'm in the month February. I don't I don't understand how this is possible. Was <laughs> it MS seventeen so zero one? How many months? Take mar- your sweet time to patch your systems is the lesson learned. But I can't or take not. the downtime <laughs> yeah, per- <laughs> until I'm taking downtime <laughs> forever. That's well right. the, this one in particular is just a complete head scratcher. Like, yeah, that one White Hat found the kill switch and was able to yep. kill it dead in his tracks. That doesn't get rid of the exploit. <laughs> That's the right. hole is still there, right. and there's a documented implementation that worked. We just talked about this last week when we recorded, right? We said, well, well what stops this? Right? Why are we continuing to do this? Because people still don't listen. Like We're hoping they do. There's a podcast. Now you can just listen. You Maybe, don't have to read it anymore. It might not even be an <laughs> I don't listen thing. It's more of a, it can't happen to me. Yeah, that yeah. too. That too. Clearly. It's vulnerable. You know, That's right. And luckily, the the difference between WannaCry and, and this uh, Petya Not Petya thing is that it's really designed to spread out on a, a flat network and not yep. uh, spread like wildfire right. across yeah. the internet. So there's there's some luck involved. Clearly, some uh, design decisions were made to keep it from doing what we saw previously. Yeah. Uh, well, just a lot of different things that, that went into play in this one. Uh, somebody took some time and... Uh, once it's on the system, of course, even if you have the kill switch, which is that, that read-only file in the Windows system, yep. it'll still spread. It'll still grab your creds from memory. It'll scrape memory, start looking around, drop some PS exec, and, uh, and go to town. So there's, it's really all about that initial don't click on yep. suspicious emails, yep. or how about don't even click on any emails. Right. <laughs> right. How about I'm going to stop clicking on any emails. That's right. So Just I'm, look at them in preview mode with no images downloaded. If I'm it's officially more than plain on vacation. Text, don't look at it. <laughs> yeah, and this, it goes back to something that we've seen in the security industry, I mean, time and time again, where it, you talk about efficiency. We talk about it from a network standpoint, talk about it from a storage standpoint, and one of the first things that you do when you're trying to mitigate something is, is also look at your resources, right? Because it's like, yeah, we can mitigate that, but that's going to take 110% of the processor, which essentially denials the service ourselves, things like that. Yeah. Well, miscreants are really good at this. So what is, think about what just happened. Instead of going back to the drawing board and say, let's create all these new exploits, what do they typically do? They go look at old stuff because they know, once again, people don't do what they're supposed to do for whatever reason. And then they go find a new way to just manifest the old thing. We're still using Eternal Blue. We're still using MS-17-010. That should have been patched long ago. We're using it once again. And we're testing. We didn't even execute it great, right? One One of the realities, this is the first time I've seen in ransomware where... We absolutely tell you, do not pay the ransom because you can't guarantee that it's actually going to be freed up because they've already blocked it. The one email <laughs> that the miscreant tried to use. Said, yeah, that's that's one of the signs. This isn't really ransomware, exactly. right? They haven't yeah, they done used much. a single email address. Exactly. They also aren't keeping the uh, encryption keys. That's right, and they it's toss not unique. An amount. It's so not. Yeah, <laughs> usually it's unique they, to they each one. They encrypt the files. They toss the. Yeah. They toss that. That's right. Then they encrypt the whole drive, that's and right. they don't even keep the contents of your MBR once they yeah. overwrite that. The master boot. So right. there's yeah. literally zero chance you're getting anything out of this when you pay. This is chaos. Zero. Chaosware. Yeah. But what yeah. does it? What does it reinforce that we talked Cyber about last weapon. week? We we just talked about this last week. This reinforce. If nothing else, once again, data protection as we call it. But it reinforces how important it is to have that process, to use snapshots, to do the backups. Yes, because guess right. what? Again, you can pay this ransom all you want. There's nobody on the other end to even answer to it. Nope. 
you have to be able to restore to something. Once again, here we go with snapshots. Yeah. Yeah, know, know, know which data is critical to your business and Absolutely. which is just convenient. And the stuff that you cannot afford to lose, you, you need to have a protection strategy around it. 10-4, absolutely. Yep. And for the love of God, patch your <laughs> servers. You know, it's 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 funny, but but uh, right before uh, Petcha not Petcha took off, there, there was this whole big swell within the the security industry that I follow on Twitter, at least. You know, just talking about guys, stop talking about zero days. That's not where this stuff comes from. They're exploiting ten year old bugs. Just in, patch your software, and this entire industry will get flown just flipped on its head. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, we look at AV, right? That was one of the other things. They said, well, the, the AV guys already have fixes for this. Well, that's great. Once again, <laughs> you what? Still patch. <laughs> you still got to patch, right? You still yep. got to have processes in place for your restoration and everything else. And, no, I'm going to let, I'm let everyone else fix it because then it won't spread to me. <laughs> <laughs> Herd immunity? Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. There's that word again. There's yeah. that word again. <laughs> That was the first thing that popped in my head when this thing went live. That's it was right. just like, man, we had a month. Yeah. How is this thing finding systems to attach to? It is amazing. Yeah, yep. once again. Well, again, uh, it's not all SMBV one. You can yep. get it. This one seems to come in in different, you know, various formats. Sure. Yeah. But then once it's in there, it's going to be looking for that that flaw. It's going to be looking for uh, again scraping creds and moving through the the network. It's a little trickier. So yeah, that that was the one thing that yeah. that I did see. I saw some some uh, you know like Swift on security, for instance, yep. was out there pushing everybody. Guys, go don't local accounts should not be able to log in over the network. That's right. What are That's y'all right. doing? Exactly. There's right. a this whole is a simple other... GPO. Yeah. yeah, and it's why we always harp on defense in depth and layered security. Yeah. Why? Because it gives you more options to help thwart these things. Right, it's not just well stop them at the perimeter like we talked last week. Oh, yep. just throw the firewall. It's like there's so many other avenues and vectors. And at the end of the day, though, we still can go back to this one that will truly help you. Patch, as simple as that sounds. It's like, geez, we've been talking about that for 15, 20 years. But it's like absolutely do that because the vectors, yeah, the vectors may change and everything else, but there's always a yeah. target. You know it, I mean, I mean so. yeah, I mean this this is. This is the second half of why DevOps is is taken off like wildfire because it, it's yeah. it's teaching the industry how to patch. Yep. It's getting rid of that fear of change. Absolutely. Yeah. I, it's just a fear of reboots, man. That's all. <laughs> <it is. laughs> all I got to do is stand up a Windows uh, update server yeah. and just I'm done. I, whatever, man. I, was, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe IT's changed in the years since I since I jumped over to the vendor game. But there was a lot of network glitches on the other half of reboots when I was an admin. There's gonna be a lot of network glitches on the other half of reboots with ransomware too when it doesn't come. Yeah, back. exactly. <laughs> yeah, which outage do you want to take? That's exactly right. I'd like That's to right. take the one. That I'll I take planned. the one I can recover. From. That's exactly yeah. right. There you go. There you go. Okay, so we could talk about security pretty much the entire week. Uh, we know we could do that, but Sweet. we don't. We don't have that kind of time. It's actually an engaging topic. It is. It yeah. is. And it, we, yeah. yeah. So we're back tomorrow. That's what you're saying. So tomorrow, let's come back and <laughs> part two. Another, another hour. hour. Another hour. That's right. So uh, what we'll do is we'll wrap this one up, and we will bring these guys back on again soon, so we can talk about new updates. Because again, security is an ever-changing landscape, and you don't want to fall behind on that. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast.netup.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techontappodcast.com. If you'd like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank the security guys, Kevin Ryan, Andre Middleton, and of course, NetApp A-teamer Paul Stringfellow for joining us today. Patch your software. Yes. <laughs> Install oh, yeah. those updates. I don't want to hear it. Or do I have to reboot? It's an NDO framework, man. You can do the whole clutch. You just hand it the image and say go. It'll do it for you. Well, on tap, yeah, but my Windows box, I mean, I'm... Let's, I could cluster my workstation. Install, install Windows like Server 2016. It reboots oh, in yeah. seven seconds. Oh, the, the users will never know. They'll never know. That's right. That's right, man. Either you all update or nobody does.